Logan, how you doing? Sean, I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. It's a little late, but uh, it's a perfect time to sit down and have a little podcast, don't you think? I think so. Now's uh, it's, it's the best time. <laughs> I agree. So today, what we're going to talk about is studying abroad. How many times did you study abroad, Logan? Um, twice. So I went to Greece the summer of my freshman year, and then I went to Austria, and that was the spring of our sophomore year. How long were you in Greece? Um, Greece, I want to say a month and a half, two months, something like that. What year was that again that you did that? I have to think here. So I want to say 2017. So when we went to Austria, that was 2018, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so go, it was the year before. Yeah. So go back to fall 2017 and then, uh, yeah, and then the previous summer. So two, pretty much two semesters uh, before. Oh, man. So you went, you know, I feel like you told me that at one point, but I kind of forgot. So you pretty much went from Greece straight to Austria. I guess I did. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you come back home any time in between that, or did you just basically go straight there? You know, I came back home for a very short time, <laughs> like less than a week, and then I went on a big journey out west. I went to like Wyoming and Utah and Arizona. Um, so that was kind of a crazy year for me, I guess. <laughs> the, the craziest year. What exactly did you study when you went to Greece? So I went to Patras, but on the study abroad, we did um, various excursions out to archaeological sites like Corinth, um, Athens. Um, we spent like a week in Athens. Um, various, I mean, Olympia as well. Like, um, we, I can tell a story about that later on. Um, but at all of these archaeological sites, we would go um, generally um, do some sort of tour, see some of the points of interest, visit the museum, um, and usually we would do some ancient Greek work. So I was doing a bit of the archaeology, not super hands-on with that, um, a good bit of the history side, and then ancient Greek. So it was, it was and that was the focus, was uh, linguistic. We also did some modern Greek while we were there. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, what I wanted to talk about first in this uh, episode was what got us interested in studying abroad. So first, because I'm not sure I've heard it from you, mm -hmm. um, so this will be my first time hearing it. What did end up initially getting you interested in studying abroad? Mm -hmm. I think I haven't pinned it down myself. Maybe I just have a bit of that in me, a bit of the travel bug. I think um, my grandmother and also my aunt did a lot of traveling. And so that was sort of in the, maybe in the back of my mind. Um, in high school, I took, hold on a second. There's a little, little beeping sound. <laughs> it's our <laughs> oven going off. Um, no, <laughs> but yeah, in high school, um, I took German class. We had to take a language. I took German and our German teacher was um, incredible. She's in, she is incredible. Um, but I mean, I learned so much in those four years. Um, I was not the best student overall. I mean, you I, took German for four years in high school. I did, yeah, all the way to AP. You lucky dog. Yeah, and our, I'm telling you, our teacher was amazing. Um, I took Spanish my freshman year and I failed it, and then I took French the rest of the time that I was in. Uh, high school and I got pretty much all C's. I didn't do German until I was in college. Yeah. But anyway, continue. Sorry. No, you're fine. I, I don't want to <laughs> like um, talk any smack, but like, I, I, and, and I'm not saying, you know, this is necessarily the case for you, but I know like the teacher sort of makes all the difference. And 
Um, like my, my, our German teacher is just like, she's very enthusiastic. Um, and mm-hmm. she was, she's also like very strict, <laughs> and like hard in the classroom, which sort of played into it. But we, there was this great humor in her classroom. Um, but she expected a lot out of you and she pulled a lot out of you. So, um, everyone who stuck around, some people that there was actually, now that I remember, there was a big cutoff, maybe German two. Um, right, right on German two, German three, probably like most people cut out. Um, cause it, it was tough. She made it a tough class, but man, uh, well anyways, she, she did a trip every year or every two years, something. And I always wanted to go to that, but never did. Um, and then I read Hemingway. I read, uh, farewell to arms and then I read For Whom the Bell Tolls, then The Old Man in the Sea, all of his short stories. And if you've read any Hemingway, it's like he's, he's this person who lived many lives and wrote about them. And his novels and stories are almost like, it's, <laughs> I'm going to get flack, but it's, uh, if there are any like <laughs> English majors, I don't know listening to this, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried about it. I think, I think people would agree. Hemingway, it's like almost like literary travel blogging. <laughs> he loved, he loved Spain. He loved, um, uh, he loved France. He loved Paris, right? He wrote a whole book about it. In fact, um, <laughs> which is also awesome. A movable feast. Um, he skied in the Austrian Alps, just like we did on our study abroad. Um, and, so for me, you know, whether or not Hemingway is the best model for a young man um, is debatable. But in, in as far as he was a, a, a world traveler and lived many lives, had all these adventures, I really wanted to live my life like that after reading his books. And also, you know, actually, Anthony Bourdain. Big shout out. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. No Reservations. That show would come on. I think it might have been the Travel Channel. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I definitely watched that one as a kid. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he was great dude, and that show was great. I remember specifically like he went to this place in <clears throat> in Italy, it was like out in the country and these, this family at this restaurant, they aged balsamic vinegar for <laughs> like hundreds of years, like generations and you would just get like a plate with like some bread and some balsamic vinegar. And I was like, that seems a bit silly. Like they're making a huge deal out of this very simple, <laughs> like it's just an ingredient. Like I wouldn't even call it a meal, but the way like Anthony Bourdain talked about it and also like the scenery there's, you have to imagine rolling green Hills in Italy and this rustic like house on top of a hill that looks like it's 500 years old somehow, even though it's made out of wood and like, um, and stone like mm. cobbled together with stone and there's this history and this richness. And I think the, like the locality of it, the fact that Anthony Bourdain went to this, he found this small little pocket of this big country, this big world and one ingredient and expanded on it so much. And he like really, he dove really deep to each place he went. And like, I guess I wanted to do that as well. That's really cool. What about you? Man? Yeah, that, um, I don't know. I think, I don't think I really ever had any sort of inspiration like that until I was probably in my late teens. Um, when I was 15 or 16, I was with my family and, uh, you know, typical, typical Scottish, Scotch Irish family mm-hmm. wanting to do a trip to the UK to, find their heritage roots or whatever. And when I was 15 or 16, I think I was 16. Yeah. Because my, my passport expires this year and I'm, and I'm 26 going on 27. Uh, we went to the UK and it just kind of rocked my world. You know, I remember going with my grandparents and, you know, some of the, attitudes of of people that had been there they had sort of a sort of an indifferent attitude to it they would and I've noticed this a lot whenever I was uh, traveling abroad that when I would be out 
some of the attitudes of the people who would be traveling, they'd be like, they'd be comparing it to the United States and sort of like a, like they identify with the United States so much that yeah, they would find little reasons to be kind of like better than it. But for me, I would go into a, a gas station and something about just seeing a, a gas station full of products that I didn't recognize and it was just kind of laid out differently. It rocked my world. I don't know. Just the, just that like minor effect of culture shock. I think that I felt when I went over there. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. It was almost like this make believe thing, and it almost felt like when I went there, when I like traveled for the first time, it was almost like people were like hiding it from me. Is what it kind of felt. It kind of <laughs> felt like I was turning over the rock and seeing what was underneath it. Yeah. You know, like looking at the back of the back of the book. And in kind of a way, I think that, and just sort of the things that, uh, I just felt really inspired by traveling. I think growing up in a small town in West Virginia and saying the Pledge of Allegiance my entire life and, and having everybody talk about how great America is. And, and I, you know, really believed it and America's great. There's great things, but it was sort of this there was I was always curious about what else there was out there and there was a lot of you know we grew up in like 9-11 times there was kind of a lot of fear-mongering about going overseas and and there was you know the conflicts and all that stuff um, especially where we kind of came from and I think going over there and sort of like facing it even though it was the United Kingdom it was the most vanilla place that you could go other than maybe Canada but for me <laughs> just kind of seeing what was out there and and being a part of it Whenever I came back, I got FOMO. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was I was really inspired to go see other stuff, you know, these places where they don't even speak English. And I don't think I really cared about, about traveling or living abroad or going overseas until I did that. Um, we drove through Oxford. We saw the University of London. We... Went up to Edinburgh. We saw the University of Edinburgh and nice. the Highlands and and all that stuff. And I wanted to study abroad. That was my that was my push. I went to that university and I was like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to college here. I'm going to have the Hogwarts experience. And that was kind of my like inspiration. And I wasn't really like tied down to a place that I actually wanted to go. But <clears throat> whenever I went, whenever I actually went to college. <clears throat> I, you know, segueing into sort of how I got into it. Yeah. Um, whenever I first went to college, I went to Marshall University, which is, if anybody's seen the movie, We Are Marshall. It's this kind of small town in Huntington, West Virginia, and Southwest West Virginia, and very Appalachian. A lot of pride in that town. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pride in West Virginia in general, especially for college football because we don't have an NFL team. Um, but, you know, three generations back, my family went to Marshall University. My great, great, great grandma was on the very first women's basketball team that they, they did in Marshall. Wow. My mom went there. My dad went there. My grandparents went there. Really, you know, deep-rooted. And my brother went there. And... He um, graduated from Marshall the year that I was a freshman. Wow. And I went there just kind of because I didn't know where to go. I was definitely a huge slacker in high school. I didn't have a lot of college prospects, to be honest. <clears throat> Marshall was kind of the easy decision, and I didn't really care to go anywhere. But I knew that I wanted to go somewhere that had study abroad opportunities. And I asked the advisor whenever I went to Marshall, I was like, does Marshall have study abroad opportunities? That was my main thing I wanted to do. I was like, I yeah. at least want to do a full semester. Well, it turned out that at the time, Marshall didn't have any uh, like long-term study abroad options. And I didn't even know about the, like the idea of actually applying for a school in a foreign country and getting in and going through the admissions process was something that at the time was so beyond me. It like wasn't even an option. So my option was go to school and do an exchange program because yeah. I just don't, 
I'm not confident that I ever would have been able to figure it out. So what I ended up doing is, you know, I had a falling out with uh, a lot of people in Marshall because I joined a frat and I didn't like it. And um, I just had some differences with the people there. And I wanted to study abroad anyways. So that's initially why I went to OU, to be honest, is because they had the Global Opportunities Office. And OU, one of the things that they sort of do really well is study abroad opportunities. They have Mm -hmm. a lot of them. So that was genuinely the main reason why I went to OU in the first place. Do they, uh, this is sort of tangential, did they cut a lot of that stuff? Or am I mistaken? <clears throat> I know, like when we went, they had a ton of stuff. Um, and then obviously, I'm not sure. Right around COVID, so. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not gonna lie. We did the Salzburg trip together. I'm not sure they even do that anymore. I don't know that they do. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, and, well. Uh, no, and I mean, I. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, you, you have a friend for so long and like you talk about so much um, and like there's so much I'm learning about you. And it's, it's funny. I think something to Same. point out. Yeah. Yeah. It goes, it's going both ways for sure. And like, <laughs> I, I, uh, it's, it's funny you have such deep roots. Um, I guess maybe most people do have really deep roots. I know like my family has been in Ohio for like, like 200 years, or at least my dad's side of the family. I mean, just like people farming for, before that it was like Pennsylvania, I think like just farmers. And then, (laughs) and then there's like my dad who like wasn't a farmer or anything. And then there's me and yeah, I mean, nobody's really strayed too far. Um, and you, you have sort of this, this legacy in your family of like people, generation after generation going to Marshall. Um, and I mean, so you sort of, in a sense, like you broke out of that by going to OU to, to broaden your own horizons. Um, right. And that's like, I think for a lot of people that's hard to do. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to sit on that, like chew on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I think it's, you know, we've got these questions kind of lined up for these episodes and I'm kind of surprised how much I don't know about you, to be honest, because I can't count how many times we've just sat on the phone and and chatted about every little thing. Mm -hmm. But so we know sort of what inspired us to get into it. Yeah. But I think the big question that I really wanted to get into ultimately to build up for was why do you think it's important? Why why do you think it's important for anybody, not just people who want to do it, but why do you think it would be important for anybody to study abroad at least one time? Yeah. I want to... Do you want me to start? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't want to, like mix it too much with language, but I guess we can go there as well. I think like learning languages is important or at least learning another language and learning a lot of your own language. I mean, um, but uh, I think you mentioned there's like a fear, um, especially, excuse me, um, in post 9-11 era America, right? Um, There's this general... um, and there's, it's kind of like pervasive. Like recently I just listened back to, um, an episode of the Howard Stern radio show. Like when, like, I think it was on nine 11 and it was insane. Like just immediate, <laughs> um, again, I'm not trying to like, uh, kick up any sand or, or talk smack or anything about anybody, but like, no, it changed I, there's everything. A, there's a lot of people, like a lot of people in America were immediately uh, rattling sabers and beating war drums. And, um, and, and that, that was all fear response. Of course it was, it was horrific. I mean, it was awful. Um, and I think maybe primarily like, especially if you recognize that you come from a place of, fear of like the broader world or of the other of like different 
I mean, we all do to some degree, like we all um, have some sort of, I mean, maybe more like curiosity about different cultures, but I think like, <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm self-reporting here, but I, I do think people, especially in America, have this sort of fear of other because they're not super exposed to that. Um, as you yeah. know, in, in Europe, um, or Africa, even Asia, you, you have all these borders, whereas in America yeah. it's, it's not so, but I do I think, think part, oh yeah, sorry. go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, I think part of it is the fact that like fear is the problem. And I think that fear mm -hmm. is always based in kind of ignorance. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, who are the people in the world nowadays? You know, everybody's a lot more informed nowadays than they used to be, especially mm -hmm. when we were kids and I'm not trying to sound old. We're not old, but Thanks for saying it was that. definitely different. Like it was genuinely different growing up here. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. the nationalism was like a lot more intense especially in the midwest and in west virginia that is it so was true, uh, yeah. and where are the places that the people are the most afraid it's the small towns where people aren't exposed to things just in general they're just not exposed you know yeah i yeah. don't want to i don't want to tarnish any of my family's name but i had a lot of islamophobia for example in my family and then I stayed and I, I went and I did a summer in Indonesia and Indonesia, uh, especially Java, it's 99% Muslim. Yeah. And man, that was in 2019. And I had people freaking out for me when they figured <laughs> out I was going there. Oh my gosh. And it's yeah. people that they probably have never met someone who was a Muslim in their life. Yeah. And I think that that's ultimately where fear comes from. And I think fear is the problem and it, and it breeds a lot of dangerous behaviors. And I just wanted to add that. I think that that's one of the reasons I think that it's super important for people, especially people who come from places where they're not exposed to a lot mm -hmm. of different types of people to study abroad and sort of be humbled by it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head and, and I don't think you're, I, I don't think you are necessarily like throwing your family's name under the bus or anything. I think that's like probably most, if not all, I mean, it's the, it's the majority of Americans probably in, in their, the older generations of their family, um, see a reactionary fear, um, to like, and things like xenophobia, Islamophobia, um, specifically, I mean, I know, man, when I was going to Europe, like I had people in my family saying <laughs> like, it's, oh, you know, it's too close to like bad parts of the world. You know, is there I did too. Yeah. I did too. They were mostly <laughs> concerned with your safety. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about going to some of the safest places in the entire world. Right. But just because it's, you know, they heard that there's a bunch of refugees going in and, and they've heard this on the news and, <laughs> you know, you're only a, you're only a, a two hour flight away from the middle East. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this, okay? I think, like, the, the, the episode is about study abroad. The question is, why do the study abroad, or why is the study abroad important? Because if you're, doing, if you're going to college, like, I don't know that there was a more educational thing that I did in college that, uh, compared, relative to studying abroad, exposing myself to, um, to difference, like, to different people, people who couldn't remotely identify with like the place and the environment I grew up in. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. and that's what really stuck with me, I guess, like is, um, just the, the, the difference, but also in that difference, right. Or like amid that difference, there's the human, like the similarity. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the fear, um, like if you, if you go into it with any fear, that's where it goes away because, I mean, whether I was in Greece or, um, in Croatia or, you know, or just in like in Austria or Germany, like, uh, like people would offer you, you know, a place to stay if you needed it or like home cooking, um, or just like a ride or like help. And, and like everywhere we went, I know, like I can speak for both of us and like, and you can speak to it more, um. Um, and with your trip to Indonesia, um, everywhere you go, even if it is somewhere like 
I would say Indonesia is more different from where we're from than Europe, right? Like, so it's even more remote from our upbringing and everything. Like, um, and even there, I'm sure you had the same experience where like <laughs> people were offering you the, like a seat at their table, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. And literally, yeah. I would go to a place and they, they would, you know, I was a foreigner and, and these are, these are meals. These are 50 cent meals. Yeah. You know, I'm paying 50 cents for these people to, to slave over a hot stove and give me a meal. And they would not accept money half the time yeah. just because they were happy to, to, to talk with a foreigner and they would sit down at my table and, and, and offer me things. And, you know, I don't know. I definitely did have that experience, especially in Java. It was really, really profound. I think a lot of the sort of fear comes from not only having this impression based off of what you hear about people, mm -hmm. but the fact that you have a lot more empathy for people that you can relate to. I think naturally just as a human being, as a, as a tribal instinct, that's just something that we have is this ability to empathize better with people that we relate to. That's why yeah. when something happens, when some big thing happens in England, People in the United States, they really care about it. Or when things happen in the West, people really care about it. <clears throat> but when something happens in Africa, when something happens in Indonesia, when something happens in, in China, it barely breaks the news. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a lot of the reason why there's so much conflict with, um, you know, I know that our governments are a lot different, but I think that that genuinely, that genuinely is a lot of the reason why there's so much conflict with people and and you know, the Middle East and China and like Russia. Um, <clears throat> yeah. that. And I'm not talking Americans. about the governments even I'm talking about the people yeah. and not being under, not being able to understand the difference in the cultures. And, the and I think when yeah. you travel, yeah. And I think when you travel abroad and you meet these people, like you meet somebody, let's say you have this opinion mm -hmm. on Muslims and Southeast Asians, and then you travel abroad because you grew up in, in, you, wherever you did and you were taught whatever you were taught and you you would read things on the news about things that happen over there and you just you, know, you kind of like scoff and you hope that it doesn't reach us you know reach our people you think about your people and their people as completely separate and then you go and you dive in head first to their culture and they're showing you stuff you know stuff and they're kind of making you feel like an idiot not necessarily by making you feel dumb but you're kind of forced to accept the fact that you don't know everything and there's virtually zero difference between you and these people and you become friends with them and they become your people. And I genuinely keep up with the news of what happens in Indonesia and in, in Taiwan and in Austria. And if something, you know, if something happens, I genuinely feel upset about it because I just have like the natural instinct to sort of empathize just because of the fact that I have connection with people there. And mm -hmm. I think it, it broadens your ability to empathize with people and it builds character that I think a person, especially in today's day and age needs to have because there's people are more, uh, involved and they're more educated now than they have ever been. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that that comes with people are so much more uh, exposed to just every kind of information, good or bad, that there's, there's even more fear mongering. It's not just dinner table conversations anymore and stuff you hear from your uncle. It's like, if you're, if you're in that algorithm, you know, you're, you're being bombarded. And yeah. when you when you live online and you go to a little school in Ohio, you know, even if you go to the most liberal school with the most diversity, you're probably <clears throat> you're probably not gonna care that much. Yeah. About what's going on. I mean the people that have friends from the Ukraine. I mean, the way that they look at the conflict over there is just completely different. And, That's a good point. You know, I think that that, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, and <laughs> again, to um, 
Because I'm what I'm trying to do today is like start a fight with everyone in my family. But no, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> I know, there's like a dude. Yeah, you're right. There's just a, don't there's post a, this one on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a coldness or like a numbness and like a coldness to um, God. And, and this isn't the time to get into like. Uh, the American uh, climate of like, <laughs> uh, like conspiracy theories and stuff like that. I'll, I'll <laughs> right. <laughs> not, not today. It's kind of hard to talk about this stuff without, without good teetering that, over though, the edge. Say. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll, I'll cut it at, um, I think there, you're right. There's a coldness, there's a numbness and, um, y- you know, and fear makes us do crazy things. Fear makes us, it, it it makes us believe crazy things. So politically like internally here in America, the Patriot act was a response, um, to, I I believe directly to nine 11, if not to like the, the, the the quote, like war on terror that followed, but I believe it was a direct response to nine 11. And, and that's, that was only allowed. I mean, imagine if if someone proposed an act like that today, like it's only allowed when there's enough, um, saber rattling and fear mongering, um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, th- I think to speak to your experience in Indonesia, if, uh, maybe <laughs> some of the, the, like, uh, you know, more <laughs> some of the, the more stubborn folks in my family, <laughs> if they, if they went to, um, uh, on a trip to Indonesia and, ex- and met just simply like met people and were exposed to it, I think then that would do away with so much of the, of the nonsense and, and like, and specifically things like Islamophobia, you know, I think, and, and to Mm -hmm. circle all the way back here, that's, that's what I think is, is the most key takeaway. Do you remember, um, what was that place we went to? Oh my gosh. i totally forget what it's called. Something housing. Um, Mauthausen. What was it? Mauthausen. Was that the, um, it was, that was the concentration camp. No, I mean, well, that's, that's a a good example. That's a whole, yeah, that's a whole, I mean, yeah. Talk about, talk about being in touch with history and, and, Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Empathizing, you know, it jumps out of the textbook at that point and, and, and becomes less of a, uh, of a, of a piece of, you know, from a book, like it becomes less of a story and more grounded mm-hmm. literally when you're standing there. But mm-hmm. I, w- I was thinking about actually the, the place, um, it was where, when, uh, the USSR like occupied Germany and they held political prisoners. I, f- I honestly forget oh, where man. it was. <laughs> I'll have to look it up, I, but yeah, I, I remember, remember we, we were touring and one of the workers there, he was leading the tour and he was a, um, very like eloquent speaker. Oh, Hohenschenhausen. Hohenschenhausen. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> genau. <laughs> also, yeah. um, so <laughs> in Berlin, in Berlin, in Berlin, the okay. prison. Yeah. Well, he, our, the tour guide, he was like, he was, you could tell he just like loved his job and was so mm-hmm. invested and it was so important to him to like expose people to the history. Well, double that when he realizes we are students from Ohio of all places, um, coming to see this of all things like that. Is that what like the average person from Ohio does when they go to Berlin? I don't know, maybe, but <laughs> he was just really happy we were there. And I'm sure like, even if it were his own countrymen, like he'd be just like, just so stoked to have people like wanting to, to learn the history. And so he was telling it really well, um, and he made the place come alive in the worst way um, because it was a prison. Right. But mm-hmm. at the end of the tour, he stopped and he said, I want to congratulate you because you all have escaped. And I remember I was like, escaped like the prison because we've been like outside at that point. And I was like, what do you right. mean? And he was like, no, you escaped from like the prison of, of like ignorance of, of just staying home of seeing the world through the TV, you escaped like that fear and you, you escaped 
and, and came here and are like now seeing the world for yourself and can, you know, come to your own determinations about things uh, that you see and about different peoples that you meet. And like, that was so cool. <laughs> I remember that. I vividly remember that guy saying that. Yeah. And that did, that filled me with a, filled me with a big uh, sense of pride. Yeah. It's yeah. it's good. I, I think it's good. And if, for like and the if world. I had a nickel for every time that somebody had pointed something like that out, I think just about every time we've had a tour guide or had met some adult or historian when we were overseas, yeah, and showed genuine interest, and they found out that we were from Ohio or that we were Americans, they would always point out. They would always ask us questions about you know what what sort of like motivated you to do it? Because most Americans don't, they kind of, they don't, I don't want to say it in, in too like condescending of a way, <laughs> but they don't like, they don't care enough to go out of their way to do it. They don't see the value in it, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's genuinely something that's hard to explain because yeah, in theory, you could go your entire life living in America and having a great life and never sacrificing your time and money and you know being far away to go to some random place and try to absorb as much as you can and try to learn as much and try to develop your own character and uh people would point that out a lot and another thing is too is i think like in america we are so isolated from any sort of difference in culture. You know, even if you come from the most culturally diverse city in the United States and you have a bunch of friends from a bunch of different places, I don't think that you still get the same effect as going there and being a guest. You know, mm -hmm. had I met, had we met any of our, our friends overseas while we were in the states and them told us about it sure you know we would learn a lot and we would we would empathize with them a little bit mm -hmm. but it's it's a totally different level i think of, of empathy that a lot of people do get especially people who live in europe because they're just surrounded by it yeah they you know they're they're they, they're bordering four different countries that speak four different languages yeah but in yeah. the States, you don't really get that. You have to spend a bunch of money and you got to go way out of your way to find people like that and, and to go have an experience like that. And because most people are trying to come to America, not leave it, it's kind of hard to justify it without sounding pretentious, Yeah, to I the, suppose. To that point, I want to add uh, a couple things. Like, it is expensive. It's hard to do. Like, in America, I think especially it's not just because like, you know, Americans are, um, don't care that they don't travel. Like it, it is harder for us. I think, you mm -hmm. know, we're, our spawn point <laughs> was as Americans, like you're as an American, your spawn point is set so that you're pretty, you're pretty, you're fairly remote. Now you are fortunate in that you're in a wealthy country and you have like a good shot at being able to afford to travel, uh, hopefully. And you know, um, that's a big part of it, I, I will say. And then secondly, um, I guess, <laughs> like, to to make sure that, like, uh, to, to get rid of any, like, pretension or... Uh, we, we weren't exactly, like, <laughs> we need to go to Austria so that we can be better citizens and, like, <laughs> improve the world and, like, um, you know, ease, like... Mm -hmm. It, like intercultural tension or something like, like we were just like, I mean, I'll speak for myself. Like I just wanted to have like an adventure, I guess. And like, yes, I wanted right, to meet other people. Right. And like, but it was like from a selfish, like a social, like I was just, you know, social guy. Like I, I like meeting people. I enjoy it. Um, and I like meeting right. different people. Like it's a, uh, it just adds so much to your life. And, and like, I think that maybe that is a type of person as like we've discussed, but also, you know, yeah. Um, it's okay to, to want to travel to just like have fun. I think, I think that 
whether you like it or not, though, you're going <laughs> to become like more educated exactly. and like less fearful <laughs> as a byproduct. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to party and like, and, and have this like Hemingway adventure and like, and I did like, but I, I also had a lot of sober moments of, um, well, <laughs> I say sober moments, like literally, but also, you know, grave moments. Um, yeah. In the sense that, you know, we're, we're stepping through a prison or, or a concentration camp and things are becoming so real. We're meeting people who, um, you know, are studying in Salzburg, um, you know, to be photographers or architects or, do or doctors. I don't know if they have a medical or pre-medical program, but you know, we meet all these people and, and even some of them are from Russia, from Germany, from Greece, from mm -hmm. America, even from, um, other places. And yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember exactly where I was going with that, but I guess maybe I'll just tack that on as my second point is, um, um, to get rid of that fear and tied to that, to meet people, to meet different people <laughs> is why I think it's important to study abroad. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't I don't know that anybody who starts their adventure abroad does it necessarily because just because they want to take in all of the history and the culture and mm -hmm. have a profound experience with it. I think I'm not going to lie, you know, hostels in the Alps and German beer and taking train rides to Italy and, and France and Budapest and Prague were very endearing reasons for me to go. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was it was kind of kind of just to go into the unknown. But I think yeah. that's why it's important to talk about it. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk about it in the podcast and why I wanted it to be our first ever uh, you know, topic of the week was because, one, it was kind of how we met. I mean, I know that we had had German class together before, mm -hmm. and we sat next to each other. But it was <laughs> sort of the first... We, we had that experience in Austria together, and I think that's kind of what, what gave us this sort of wisdom. It was that, that four months. It was, it was four months, a little over four months, that we were together over there. And it's been four years since that's happened and we're still talking about it and we're still, I don't think since then I've had even close to as profound of an experience other than maybe my summer that I spent in Indonesia. But mm -hmm. even then, you know, <clears throat> I didn't learn the language and become so deeply involved and get a degree in the culture of the place. Um, I think that it, it, it catches people by surprise and I talked about it last week where I wanted to sort of be the, the person who was giving that nudge out the door because I think a lot of people want to go and they and a lot of people really want to study abroad. It's it's a dream of a lot of people. It's kind of hard not to with all these Instagram and TikTok influencers posting their amazing videos mm -hmm. online about how awesome Europe is <laughs> yeah. and yeah. seeing the hostile experience and people wanting that. And it is like that. And it's, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a, that's definitely a good reason to go. And I think that there's maybe some people who need a little bit more than that to get out the door. And, um, you, it, that's not all you're going to get out of it. That's definitely not all that you get out of it. I, th yeah. I think it's, we, we went and had class with some people who didn't appreciate it quite as much as we did, I will admit. But yeah. I think that that's because they had a little too much pride in their country. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, that we cover just about everything that sort of encapsulates the, uh, the, the motivation and the general gist of what you get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think let yourself be a romantic about it. I think there's this notion maybe of, um, you know, you should take it more seriously or, you know, and I think as I mentioned, sober grave moments, that's a part of the fuller experience. 
I think you also mm -hmm. can allow yourself. I, I remember I was so excited to go to um, Paris and go to Shakespeare and Company, the bookstore where a lot, it was a very like literary place in Paris in the 20s. And Hemingway would go there and read. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll, like Gertrude Stein, I believe. And um, oh, a bunch of people, right? <laughs> a bunch of really cool people went there, um, authors. And I was like, I wanted to go there and then go to Hemingway's apartment. And I wanted to ski in Austria. And I, <laughs> I sort of wanted to like relive um, a movable feast in a way, Hemingway's uh, memoirs of Paris. And I think it's important, like let yourself be romantic and like, don't let that part of you uh, absolutely like go away, you know, like not to be too corny, but <laughs> I think, um, if, if I, man, I know for a fact, if I were plopped down even now late at night, well, I don't know what time it is actually right now in, in Salzburg, but let's say it were 9 PM it's, in Salzburg it's or yeah. What, what 3 is AM? Okay, that's yeah, perfect. Yeah, if I were plopped down and um, <laughs> perfect, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, if, if I were plopped down right like under the fortress, right under die uh, Festung, in the square, like right by the cathedral, I would like. I think I would. <laughs> I think I'd cry. It's a beautiful place, and I just and I have so many memories. So that's sort of looking back, but even you know. Um, some new place. I think like let yourself like kind of smile and like be excited for, for an adventure. Um, you don't have to. Yeah. And, and, and again, as like a byproduct, I think like it is going to be good for you and it's, and it's not, it's, mm -hmm. I think study abroad this is my last thing. I guess I, uh, study abroad is a good way to push you in or push you out, <laughs> push you out and across the pond it's a good way mm -hmm. to, to, to uh, a good impetus because, you know, you need those credits for your degree. Um, and usually you can get some extra funding to make it happen. I know I did. Um, and maybe that's a topic for, for another episode. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's I agree. And great impetus. Yeah. And I think to end this episode, just touching on some things that we didn't talk about so much was the fact that when you do study abroad, it's a huge challenge. I think no matter where you go, I think we went to one of the nicest, best infrastructured, easiest towns to get around. Very friendly people, very mm -hmm. central in Europe, mm -hmm. you know, good infrastructure, good transit. Um, places to shop, places to eat right by the grocery store. We had genuinely probably one of the easiest experiences that you could have. That's true. Studying abroad, other than maybe going to a place that actually speaks English. But you, no matter where you go, you'll face the culture shock, which is very real. And it's, it's not, culture shock is not just being surprised and whatever about the things that are different. It's feeling this sense of um, having familiarity ripped from you. And when you don't get enough familiar things, mm -hmm. your body kind of seeks them out. And when it doesn't get that familiarity, it feels, you feel like you're out of your, out of your zone, you're fish out of water and no matter how comfortable you are, you don't have those familiar things anymore. And you, you just kind of feel depressed after a while. And then, you know, you'll hear from anybody who's been for an extended period of time that you get over it after a while. And then yeah. the new things become your new comfort. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> you, you see the beauty in it. And then it gets to the point where you don't want to leave. And you face it's it basically what i'm saying is that it is a challenge it's always a challenge i don't think that there's any any place or any time that you could go anywhere and it'd be a challenge but when you do study abroad i think everybody who's done it can agree that you will get profound life experience from it you'll meet people that will have an effect on you for the rest of your life and 
It's genuinely worth it. And honestly, the ones that we went on, for example, yeah. it's not always going to be more expensive. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't cheap, but student loans, you know, there's a lot of programs out there that student loans apply to. And student loans applied to this one. You could get uh, student loans, grants, scholarships all applied to our study abroad program that we did in Austria for a semester. Yeah, I took out loans. I <laughs> for that pro- for that mm-hmm. program, I definitely did, and I, I mean, no no regrets. I, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not the most. I think tuition was about the same as staying home. Yeah, and I think uh, I think our living arrangements were actually cheaper. We paid less. They were for our housing, much less with no uh, no required meal plan, right? As well, and another thing that I wanted to touch on at the very last yeah. was. When we were done, not every school does it, but mm-hmm. just to touch on it, while we're talking about study abroad, that we had friends who, after going abroad, they wanted to stay and mm. finished their degrees, well, almost finished their entire degree, and stayed for over another year on a, a Fulbright scholarship in a different city in Germany. For, oh, yeah, dude. How, for how long did he stay? For a year? And then our yeah. other friend went and worked in, I don't even know what city Ben worked at. Heidelberg, I want to say. Or maybe that's where he lived yeah. and, he, and he commuted, but yeah. So yeah. once you do it, my point is people will always say it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do something like that. That's not always true. You can always go back. You can always do what you want because now is the best time to do whatever it is you want. And it's the easiest time in history to do something like this. Yeah. So just do it. <laughs> don't don't come listen to us if you, uh, if you want talked out of it. <laughs> We're going to tell you yeah. to go. And if you've already done it, do it again. <laughs> do it again. Hey, and, and you can do it again and we're going to prove that as well. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking All right, this show I think we should end it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before I get on a vamp. Well, yeah, man, great talk. Yeah, man. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? I will say um, I'm going to be going away for a few days. I'm going to Colorado on a little ski trip. Um, and it's gonna. I'm going to be thinking about Austria a lot. Uh, <laughs> off, off, the um, off the pista. I'm jealous. Off the pista. But we will be back next week. We will. Every week. Yeah. Every week for the rest of eternity <laughs> until we uh, grow old and die. That's right. And then we'll find success. All right, man. So. <laughs> yep. And then our, uh, our interns will take over. That's right. Yeah. All right. Episode two. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have a good night. It was good talking to you. Good to talk to you as always. <laughs>